All right, this is the Gospel for Life. Are you guys happy? Now? I am very good. Nice it's, work. It works for us. <laughs> Actually, um, and, and that, that was Jonathan Van Hugan from Day Spring Reformed. I see you have your robe and your pipe today. Oh, uh, coffee as well. Uh, probably principally the coffee. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm not saying yeah, that he's smoking. I'm not it saying anything. It's a joke. Probably, if I'm not saying anything, it's probably because I'm taking a sip of that's coffee. That's right. That's right. And then Russell Herman from Cloverdale Reformed. Yep. Good to be here this morning. And my name is Josh Bells. I'm from the Well Church. So this is the Gospel for Life. And that... You know, that might not be the most exciting title for a radio show, but it's actually very descriptive of what we're trying to accomplish. That the gospel is not a, a theoretical uh, doctrine. It's not just the doctrine that gets you into heaven. It's meant to be applied to all of your life. And and the gospel is just shorthand for all of who God is and what he has done and what he has revealed in right. his word. And so when we say gospel, we're, we're not talking just about an initial moment of salvation for an individual, which is included in it, yep. yeah. but it's the entirety of the it's whole. A, it's a indicative of our union with, mm-hmm. with Christ and, and our fellowship with God in heaven. Yeah. We're already taught, said to be seated with him in the heavenly places, and that has an application yep. in our life mm-hmm. as we live that out. Yep. So thinking about literature, good literature today, um, there's kind of two extremes. One, on one side, you have purely kind of theoretical well this is what the doctrine of god is and then on the other side of the spectrum you have like purely sentimental mm-hmm. and um both of those extremes um aren't helpful paul tripp wrote a book called do you believe and he kind of marries the practical and the theoretical together here's what the doctrine is and here's how you apply it so when i went to seminary i went to puritan reform theological seminary and one of the the distinctives or things that they um hammer away at is this experiential aspect to theology, that it's not something that is just simply in our heads and in our hearts, it, it's to be worked out in our hands and in, in, in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really what Paul Tripp's book is trying to do, is saying, how do you get good, solid theology in your head and in your heart and then live in the fullness of what you you believe? That's right. So we are tackling his doctrine of God in this book, um, and this is this is where we'll start today. So he says, the most important thing for your mind to contemplate is God's existence. And then follows up with, by saying, perhaps therefore the most four, uh, first four words of the Bible, in the beginning God, are not only the four most important words of the Bible, but also the four most important words ever written, examined, studied, unpacked, and explained. End quote. So is this, uh, you know, pastors are never given over to hyperbole. Never, so is, never, is this, never, never do that. <laughs> is this simply pastoral hyperbole, or is Tripp correct here? I believe the, I believe the absolutely correct. You know, when you, when you start with God, if you don't start with God, You've you've created a, a. It's like the math problem that if you don't have the right uh, numbers, yeah. you're going to come out wrong. Yeah. Uh, you, if you you know what we think about God is the most important thing about us. Yes. Uh, and this is this is a very important thing. Um, in the beginning, God. When we when we affirm that, then all other things fall in place. That's the cornerstone of everything. In 
I think what Jonathan wanted to say is in, in geometry. <laughs> wow. In geometry. <laughs> yeah, that's because I don't do math. Yeah. I, I've, I've started every math problem wrong. That's wow. why I can speak experientially Andrew, to this. Andrew, can you edit out uh, Russ, please, for now on? I, I can speak experientially to this, Russ. And <laughs> geometry, you begin with givens, things that are absolutely true. And then from those givens, you develop a proof. The, the, it flows out of things that are, are undeniable. And so, if you will, the, the, the greatest given is, in the beginning, God. Yeah. And so, what that means is that our existence flows from him. It tells us that God is outside of time, that God is eternal, that God is almighty, that God is the creator, that our, our lives, our being, our, our everything about us is wholly dependent upon him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that God is not for us, we are, are created by him and for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there is just so much that, that if that is not the foundational aspect of your belief system, of your life, you are going to run into problems. Yeah. And, and I would say one of the duties of God's existence is, is merely to contemplate it. I actually feel like contemplation mm-hmm. and meditation has fallen out of the Christian's mind today as if that's not a practical thing. Mm-hmm. No, meditation and contemplation is one of the most practical things we can do. Paul says, therefore, we do not fix our eyes on um, those things that are seen, but those things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are unseen are eternal. He gives us practical advice right there. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we fix our eyes on these things. Um, when you think about, I mean, brother, what you just said, that God is outside of time, that God is outside of space, and then you connect that to the gospel, that in order for for God to redeem us, God, the Son, entered time, mm-hmm. and he entered, entered space, space. Yeah. and he has united himself to the human nature so that he'll be united to time and space for all eternity to be with us. Mm-hmm. That's, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, Triple will point out in this chapter how everything else is changing. And God is the one thing that doesn't change. He's mm-hmm. the standard. Um, so, so you know, I mean, we're growing older. We're you know, uh, you know, you know, things around us are are falling apart. You know, our bodies are changed. falling apart. Our bodies are falling apart. God is the one uh, one constant in all of this, and that's why it's so important that we actually um, are attached to that when we see him in everyday life. So like if I, if, if everything's changing around me, I, I can go back to God who, who doesn't change. You know, he's immutable. He's unchanging. So then we agree. We agree. The, we agree. For, yeah. for, formal, foremost? <laughs> foremost important. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Okay. So then and, um, let's then talk about that existence of God, that, that given you mentioned mm-hmm. in geometry, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> Man, this, so, is, this is a great day. We're learning. <laughs> Talking about things that are so important, math and theology. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then how does the existence of God shape our thinking in some of these other areas? So, um, I mean, so if you begin, and, and that's your framework, God is, mm-hmm. and everything flows from him then every area of life is going to be touched. Um, just think relationally. Yeah. God created. 
And what did he create? He created image bearers. Every person you interact with is an image bearer of God. Their worth is not in what they do. Their worth has been ascribed to them by God as an image bearer. Mm -hmm. So that affects how much we care about um, a baby in the womb. It's an image bearer. We have to care about it. We have to defend it. Um, Can I I pick back on that real quick? So there's been some arguments – like for instance, against abortion, like, um, well, we we don't want to abort babies because you know that might be the next Beethoven or whatever. Well, that's that's not a horrible argument, but you're you're reducing the human being to his practical function, to his ability to contribute. That baby is valuable simply because, as you said, it's an image of God. Yeah, and and it's image bearers. That means that I can't, um, as as the New Testament is going to teach in James, I. How can I speak against an image bearer? That you, you watch what you say because you're interacting with somebody that reflects at least some aspect of God. But also, it tells me that every person I encounter is eternal. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're an eternal being. Well, no, now all of a sudden, I have to be concerned about their soul. Yeah, because they have eternity in their heart. Yeah, I, and so just, that's just in relationships. You can go yeah. in any category that you want. Yep. Right, it creates respect for life. It creates, you know, as as you're pointing out, the 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 idea of in the beginning God affects all areas of life. You know, you know, years ago we used to talk about theology as being the queen of the sciences, mm-hmm. meaning that it was over everything else. I mean, there had to, there has to be one source of all truth that affects everything else, and uh, oftentimes, uh, and this is one of the problems of certain sciences. They they cannot think outside the box. Mm-hmm. They can't think. You know, it's all naturalism, naturalism, naturalism. They doesn't. They don't account for God. Yeah. Which means that they're ending up with an answer that they get isn't. Their, they get their sums wrong. They get their sums wrong. The greatest scientists in the past have been men who uh, rec- who have been Christians who recognize that God created all things. Right. I mean, just think about any area of life. I mean, politics right now. It, it's just. It's a mess in our country, and part of it is because they've lost the, this bearing that they are not ultimate, that yeah. God is ultimate, that God is the mm-hmm. one that it sovereignly rules all over all things, and they rule under his appointment and, and establishment, yeah. and that they don't aren't to seek their own good, that they're supposed to align themselves with God and what God has decreed in his word for those that are to be instituted yeah. as human rulers. Yeah, the reason why there's so much fighting. I mean, imagine like if I was trying to do geometry over on this side of the desk, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and you were he- doing geometry heaven, over on that heaven side. Heaven help us. <laughs> I would be drawing circles. <laughs> yeah, and you're doing geometry over on that side of the desk, and we're coming to different answers. Well, but that's because I, I'm awful at geometry. I don't have Only the, one of us would be doing geometry. <laughs> that's, yeah. right, that's right. And then we'd be fighting over you know, our sums. Well, we're fighting over our sums because we're starting with a different standard. That's right. Mm-hmm. We're not both starting with, in the beginning, God. I've said this on the air before. I used to be an educator, and... I used to no. struggle with. <laughs> I know. Let me guess, math. math. <laughs> I used to struggle with my principal because he started with the working premise that people are basically good, mm-hmm. and I started with the premise that people are basically evil. Yeah. And he would say, "Well, we basically agree," and I would <laughs> on all of these educational things, and I said, "We can't basically agree because we are beginning from such radically different." starting yep. points that we can't come to the same conclusion yep. 
because of that. And that's what happens with denying the existence of God. Yep. Let's mm-hmm. let's let's touch on education. I mean, that's where you were at. The purpose from a Christian worldview, the purpose of education is to help us worship God. So so like Matt like we talked about the other day, it's it's for God's glory. That's right. Mm-hmm. So if if um if you have a, a particular philosophy of education that doesn't even bring God into the picture, you're by default making man the measure of all things. Mm-hmm. Because then the purpose of education becomes, well, how can I get more money? How can I be more successful? Um, how can I put myself at the, the center? It becomes like we talked about the other day. We're actually creating glory thieves. Yep. Un, I mean, that's not our intention. Mm-hmm. Right. But it is the byproduct of removing God as the foundation from our education our science our philosophy our psychology fill in the blank yep well and and paul tripp will say in his his book if we don't see god uh, we'll anoint ourselves as god and make life all about us and this is you know this is what people do there's a there's a diva inside all of us that needs to be corrected <laughs> you know there's a, i wonder know. what your diva looks like <laughs> yeah you, you might wonder <laughs> Yeah, but you know, you know, you might say, "Who died and appointed you God?" I mean, there's a there's a sense in which you know, uh, we we uh, stand corrected by our, but because God is more important than ourselves, God is the you know, this is the problem with raising our children. We need you know, they're going to resist our parenting if they don't come under the authority of God Himself. Yeah. Um, you know, children need God in their life. The sooner, the better. Yeah. Um, because if we wait too long, uh, they've already rejected that authority. Yeah. And I, I would just encourage you to just work through some of this in your own mind with the different areas of life. I mean, sociology right now, the study of groups. I mean, how much dysfunctionality is exists in our culture today between two groups that are interacting with each other because we've, we've actually set aside God's existence and mm-hmm. God as the foundational starting point. And so I would just encourage you to work through just different aspects that you encounter in your life. Yep. You've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We'll see you next time.